I think it's really important at this stage to really understand that you're the leader. People are coming to you because you are the leader in what you do. So don't get into a situation where you're putting yourself on the back foot. You're the leader saying either I can work with you or no, we're not going to work with you. This pursuit of this 100% close rate is also a problem. Your marketing is not good enough to qualify everybody out. Nobody's is. Much as we'd love to qualify out the wrong fit, sometimes they sneak through because they want the thing you want. It doesn't mean you need to take them on board. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your co-host for today, Samantha Riley, and joined by my good friend here today, Tim Hyde. How are you, Tim? I'm good, Sam. How are you? I'm doing very well. We've been talking the last few weeks about the mistakes that business owners make, or we we recorded an episode or released an episode a couple of weeks ago on the 11 bit mistakes that business owners make. And today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into one of those and we're going to talk about pricing and discounting. And I think that this is a conversation that a lot of people are almost a little bit afraid to kind of deep dive into or even I guess shallow dive into that from what I see. How about you? Yeah, definitely. It's kind of it's almost taboo territory. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can't can't talk about it. We know it happens, but we can't really talk about it too yeah. much about, you know, what's the impacts of it. I remember seeing a a, a table I went to um, a traffic and conversion summit in the US last year and and um Roland Frazier, uh, mm-hmm. who's a an entrepreneur I really respect. He he put up a a table which talked about the sort of the impact of discounting on the bottom line of your business and mm-hmm. how many more sales you would need to make in order to cover the difference in what your discount was. Mm-hmm. And it's I'll see if I can dig it up because it, and we'll put it in the show notes if I can find it. But um, it was really interesting to kind of look at this so these sort of numbers in terms of how many more sales that you needed to make just by discounting or, or not getting your pricing right. Right now, we've we've heard the joke. We've we've joked about it previously when you said, you know, if you were to, you know, if you were to double your prices and only lose half your customers, would you do it? Mm-hmm. Right, and the answer is probably absolutely yes. But the reverse is true as well. If you discount by 50%, do you have to make twice as many sales? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. You actually kind of need to make three and four times as many sales based on how much you discount. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily, if we don't understand the math that sits in behind that, we just think, oh, you know, I'll just discount a little bit to, you know, to win the sale, not realizing what the impact of that is actually doing to our business. Totally. Um, there's a table that I go through with my clients when we're uh, in the module where we're discussing pricing. And I actually have two different columns where we sort of go even 97 to 100, just for no other reason to show that over a certain amount of clients, what that does uh, to your, you know, your income. 
And it's actually quite a lot of people are like, huh, never even thought about it. It just, it doesn't even seem a lot, you know, when you're talking $3, $15, $17, but once you're talking thousands, it, it's a big, it's a big problem. Now you, before we started recording, you were telling me a story about, um, and I guess what gave us the inspiration for this episode, someone that was actually discounting every single sale to get people across the line. It wasn't, wasn't, I'm not sure if it was every sale, but it was a conversation that came up from me recently uh, when talking to uh, a prospect um, that we were talking about. I said, you know, what are some of the issues you're facing? And he said, well, my sales team uh, are regularly discounting in the face of price competition from another competitor in our market segment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what's the difference between what you do and what they do? And, they, and, and the, the explanation was came back as, well, we offer a higher quality service. Right now, presumably that higher quality service costs them more to deliver mm-hmm. against this lower price, lesser quality service, which is offered at a discounted rate. I said, "Is there anyone else in your market that charges charges more than you?" And he said, "Yeah, there's this other company as well. They charge four times, five times as much as we do, mm-hmm. and they're practically unassailable. Their customers do not, you know, pay that amount." Happily and, and do not move. And I said, well, so clearly there's some a great there's deal. Room, of there's room in the market <laughs> there's room, for that. Right? There's some there's some very much some priced elasticity in the market, you know, where you're at. Okay. So clearly it's not all price. So let you know, it'd be interesting to kind of drill into that further and discover why your sales team is discounting whenever someone says, Oh, but these other guys are cheaper and it always comes back, oh, we'll, we'll meet you halfway kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And this I'll meet you halfway is a thing that I think creeps into, uh, you know, our vernacular as a salespeople when we're trying to win every single customer, right? Mm-hmm. And without realizing it, potentially it could be sabotaging our ability to A, deliver the service we want, but B, also at the profit margins that we expect to be able to deliver them at. Totally. I think that that's something, and you and I were chatting about this earlier before we started hitting record, it's something that happens a lot at the beginning of business. It's certainly a place that you and I were, um, you know, when you first go into business, is that when you're very first in business and you're hustling, 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 trying to get clients, this is something that kind of comes in. But what what we're doing is signing kind of coming signing every single client without going through a proper sales process of interviewing that prospect to see if they're a right fit and rather just going straight for i want to make this sale and you know it means that you're sometimes signing clients that you never should have signed in the first place you end up resenting them and you're squeezing your margins all at the same time so you know there's there's many different reasons or or things that you should be doing differently but it's definitely something that as time goes on in business you realize it's not the best way to be yeah i think so there and as you if you can get that culture right for you as the salesperson and often you know in in small businesses you as the business owner are the salesperson and we're talking potentially even up to you know 50 or more staff you you're the salesperson before you start to hand that responsibility onto someone else. But if you're not really assured of the value that you bring to the table, 
and feel like, oh, in order to win this sale, I need to discount. It's actually kind of, as you said, it's saying more about your confidence in the value you bring, which then just reinforces it to your customer as well. One thing I really like to and encourage my clients to get into the practice of of saying, you know, if someone says, "Can you do, you know, can you do a bit a bit cheaper or whatever," is is saying, "I can always do less," right? And get into the practice almost of saying it to yourself. I can always do less, but if you want all these things, that's the value that I'm yeah. I want to command, or that's the investment I want to command for that price. And this is, you know, we're going to talk more talk about more when we talk about sort of packaging. Um, as one of the other issues and, and 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 offer creation. But having multiple offers, I think, is a really important thing to do here, that you have your really high price one, you have your mid-price stuff and you have your low-price stuff. Or one might be online, one might be group, and one might be one-to-one. But, you know, being able to sort of say, okay, well, if this is not a fit for you because of that value, I've got this other thing, but mm-hmm. this is how I'm going to do it. Customers, you know, I think when you when you – kind of start changing stuff up on the fly as you as you mentioned sam it really discount you know i guess compromise our ability to kind of deliver a good service at the price we want it for and and but also i think it introduces a i guess as you see questions in a customer's mind that what are they getting you know why aren't you confident about what your product does or this product does or that product does you know do you suddenly go and oh but for you i'll deliver my group program at the you know the the individual you know one-to-one stuff at the group price you know group program price you know and it sort of starts to compromise everything that you'll kind of do and as we Mm. look to scale that can't happen Mm. I really, I'm going to go back to what you said just before all of that, just in case anyone missed it, because it was so good. If someone asks, can you do it at this price, at a discounted price, I think the easiest way to say is, oh, sure, sure I can. Which part would you like me to leave out? It's that simple. That is absolute gold, Tim Hyde. Yeah, gold. Which, which part Which part isn't important, important for you? Yeah. But even more than that, right? Don't, you know, don't just say, which part would you like to leave out? I can always do less. This is the program. That is less. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, here's the thing, here's the thing. Right. If you if you happen to get clients coming back on a regular basis, and we do need to be responsive to what clients are asking for, is going down to saying, well, this is the lesser thing. Mm-hmm. People are coming to us for our leadership in the space that we deliver it. Mm-hmm. Not to get this bespoke menu of customized whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. So we've come up with four different areas to really have a think about, to focus on, to go and have a look at in your business so that you are nice and clear around your pricing so that you don't need to discount. And the first thing, and this is always one of the first things I ask even prospects before they even start working with me, and it's around the clarity of your offer. You need to be super clear about what you offer. And one of the biggest problems that I see, and I'm going to ask you about it in, in a minute, Tim, is a lot of people are not able to clearly articulate the problems that they solve with their offer. So it's not just having struggling to get across what it is that they're delivering, but also why. Like, what are the problems that we're solving with this offer? Um, and love to know what you've got to add here. Yeah, look, I, it's a really interesting one. I find um, 
it really comes down to that elevator pitch, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. lost that elevator pitch. If you've ever been to a networking event, and I encourage everyone to go to at least one, you'll sit there in a room where people sort of do their elevator pitches. And the ones that sort of waffle on have not generally got a really clear offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tell because they kind of go into the explanation of what they do, not the outcome it creates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What they do not the outcome it creates. I'll be like, oh, I've got a six-week program and in week one we cover this and in week two we cover that, week three and blah, 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 blah. No one cares about what you cover in week one, two, three, four, five, nah. six. No one cares that it's a six-week program. Nope. What they care about is how it transforms people's life. Correct. What okay. am I actually going to get out of this? Yeah. What problem so, is going to be solved? Yeah, you know, and and that's what they're doing. So that offer, and if, it, if you get that right, if the transformation seems great enough that the investment seems worth it, then we have value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, it was interesting because I'm talking to my son about he's about to do a car swap. <laughs> Apparently that's a thing for teenagers these days, swapping cars left, right, so I don't understand it, but he's, he's going to do a car swap. I've gone, why is someone going to swap their car for your car? Yeah. Right? And that's what we're doing. We're, we're doing the exchange. You have something that I value. It's the foldy stuff or crypto if, you, if, if you're trading in crypto. Okay. You have something that I value and I have something that you value and it's an exchange of value. If that exchange seems worth it, fantastic. We'll do it. If the exchange doesn't seem worth it, we won't. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing here, right? I'm, you know, in the case of James, he's going to swap his car. Presumably the R31 Skyline that James is swapping for his Lexus LS400 Right, they value that car more than they value the one they've got, mm-hmm. and vice versa. James values the R31 because that's one of his dream cars more than the money he spent on his his Lexus. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in many ways, the transaction we're entering in with our prospects is the same. They value the information and transformation that our services will provide greater than the money it costs them. Mm-hmm. And we value the money more than the information that we'll provide. If we've got that scenario, we have a win-win and we have someone we can work with. Totally. And I think it's really important to point out here that it's not necessarily the amount, like the ticket price, because we could see a program that's $97 and we could see another program that's $50,000 and not purchase the $97 program because it does, I don't know, we look at it and go, well, I don't need that. So I'm not going to bother spending $97, but may look at a $50,000 program and go, oh, okay. So, you know, I'm going to get XYZ that's worth a million dollars to me. So that's a no brainer to exchange 50,000 for a mil. But so it's not based on the price. It's based on what problem it solves for me as the client or the customer. That's right. It's that you know that exchange of the perceived value of a certain thing, and I think by by discounting it, by not being really clear about what our offer is, mm-hmm. by being unable to you know unable to articulate very clearly and succinctly what that value is, then we find ourselves faced in a situation where we're talking to someone who clearly to us, you know, we, we like to think we're reasonably uh, empathic creatures, who clearly is like, I'm not seeing the value. And then we go, oh, no, I need to compromise my, my thing 
to kind of come to where you are. And the more we go to them, the less value that we have in the exchange. Oh, I want to share a little, a quick story on that. So there was someone that I spoke to, it was a long time ago, that just said straight out, oh, I don't see the value in that. And I went, that's great. I'm not the person to work with you. And it was the end. Within seconds, I could have gone into, oh, well, I'm trying to sell you and I'll start to feel really crap about myself. Um, you know, it could turn into something where I could eventually really lose my confidence, end up working with a client that makes me not feel good about myself, a client that doesn't do the work, you know, and it could have taken up a long time. There would have been a lot of resentment. If someone can't see the offer and you know that you've clearly articulated it, then that that's the end. We don't need to continue the sales call because if we think about it more as a right fit call, like are we the right fit to work together, then straight away it's like, ah, oh, I can see that we're not a right fit. You're not in yeah. you're not in the right place. It's it's absolutely and that's I think that's a really important thing. We cannot help everybody, right? No. The goal of the goal of sales is not to get to a one hundred percent close rate. That is not the goal. Mm-hmm. You should probably take take that out of your vocabulary right Absolutely. Now. Well, if you're getting 100% close rates, A, it's time to put out your prices <laughs> straight up. Um, or you've only got one client and, and uh, you're not actually, there's only one person in the world you could potentially sell to. Mm-hmm. But you know, we, we want to change that dynamic. We don't, and, and this pursuit of, I guess, this 100% close rate is also a problem. You know, so if you're in an organization where, you know, people are measuring your close rate and you know constantly trying to improve it. That's okay, but there's a there's a theoretical limit that's practical, as you say, to try and find the right fit. Your marketing is not good enough to qualify everybody out. Mm-hmm. Nobody's is mm-hmm. literally no secret there. As much as we'd love to qualify out the wrong fit, yeah, sometimes they sneak through. Yeah. Okay, because they want the thing you want. It doesn't mean you need to take them on board. Absolutely. And I think that's a really important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that's number one, that clarity of offer. Number two, and it is tied into this and we've sort of touched on it a little bit already, but really having confidence in the value you deliver. And we have talked about that a little bit already, but this is around knowing the outcomes you help your clients achieve and really knowing that what you're, you know, what you're delivering is valuable you have value or you're adding value to um, the partnership because that's essentially what it is. And I think this comes down to a couple of things, Sam. I think it's it's really having been there, done that before. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, no question, everyone listening to this podcast right now delivers value to their customers in some way. Right? Yeah. You know more than your customer about the thing that you do. And it is that there is a, a great deal of confidence, right? We could do probably a whole whole other podcast on <laughs> how do you be a more confident person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, knowing that, right? Probably not biting off more than you can chew is, is probably a good place to start as well, right? Take step baby steps, build up uh, to to what you can do. You know, what you so you know that you've got confidence. But this is also again, we talk about that kind of rather than calling it a sales call, call it a fit call. Mm-hmm. Go into your sales calls with this in mind, going. Hey, are we the right fit for you? Mm-hmm. And if your customer is doesn't recognize the value and the quality of service that you provide for the price you're asking for it, well, maybe we're not the right fit. Totally. 
Totally. Okay. And that's okay. Someone else can absolutely help you, but it's probably not going to be us. Yeah. And that's okay. Right? Totally. It's okay to let people go and and just having that confidence in this is the threat, this is the transformation. I know for my client who is in this circumstance, which we've just qualified for you, and that's where you want to go. This is the thing we can do. And this is the transformation we create. I think it's really important, you know, at this stage to really understand that you're the leader. People are coming to you because you are the leader in what you do, essentially. So don't get into a situation where you're putting yourself on the back foot and doing the singing and dancing for the prospect to decide, you know, whether it is or or isn't, you know, you're not the right fit. It's actually the other way around. You're the leader saying either I can work with you or no, we're not going to work with you. And as soon as you've got this leadership hat on and lead the prospect, you're in a very different place. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It is about that leadership. Okay. Again, your prospect is coming to you because your marketing positioned you as a leader in the transformation you create. Totally, totally. Okay, and, and stop there. That's the be all and end of it. <laughs> as soon as you kind of start introducing and questioning that, it then undermines everything you did to get to that customer to the, that point in time. Totally. So number three is you need to have a really good sales process and this needs to be systemized. And I'm not a big believer in a script that someone else has necessarily given you. Take a framework that someone else has given you and make it your own. So not a script that you're kind of reading that someone else's. I think the way you talk has to be authentic to you, but you need to be following a set sales process. Yeah, I think that's that's so true, right? It's it's very easy to find and you can pay for them if you want to, right? They're mm-hmm. usually pretty cheap. People give them away and and download them and, and uh, you know, just about every program under the sun has got, here is our sales scripts for you to follow. You're absolutely right, though, is that you do not want to read sales scripts because absolutely. it sounds scripted. Red. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Now, if you've ever been to a good movie, it doesn't sound scripted. If you've ever been to a bad movie, absolutely it is. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And you don't want to be the bad actor. Exactly. You see the, you see versions of this on TikTok where you're like, yeah, right, that was so set up. <laughs> it's totally natural. What are you talking about? Uh, um, okay, I think it's important to kind of understand what are the things that need to happen in a sales call, right, and, and pull apart scripts. Go and get a whole bunch of them, right, download them, pay 10 bucks, pay 20 bucks, pay $100, go and get a whole bunch of different sales scripts and look for the kind of, not necessarily what they're saying, right? So don't necessarily focus exactly on this word and this on question. On the words, uh, yeah. Right? Go into what, are the, what, is the, the, what makes up the framework. And generally speaking, I used to have one, um, um, it's probably on my website somewhere, and I had a sort of eight-part it was literally a sort of A4 sheet chopped into four parts and I had a bunch of questions in each of the things. We had to have some rapport questions, mm-hmm. right? That's an important part of any sales conversation. We had to do a discovery or a problem-finding part. We had to do an outcomes part. You know, what is the transformation? Where do you want to go, right? You might have the same problems for somebody, but if you don't take them in the same direction as they want to go, again, you see, not a good fit. I mm-hmm. can't take you in that direction because in our program, we take you over here instead. Yeah. 
right? And you'll just end up with people who aren't really happy because they'll get there and go, this is not where I wanted to be. Yeah. So this is really about, I guess, good questioning. So not being in the seat of selling your program, but being in the seat of listening. Where is it that your prospect wants to go in the future and why does it matter to them? Where are they currently and how is that impacting them? And then what's getting in the way, stretching the gap? What is the process to get from where you are now to where you are in the future? And if you get there, what will that mean to you? What will that mean to your family? And essentially that's what it is. It's really understanding someone's motivators. Yeah, but you pull those scripts apart and you'll see those pieces. Mm -hmm. You'll see the before state. You'll see the after state. You'll see the let's get to know each other. You'll see the what's the next steps piece in that. And I think it's really important to to have those kinds of ideas. And you, if you haven't put a tick in one of those boxes, your call isn't finished. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you've done the before state, but not the after state, your call isn't finished. If you haven't done the next step, your call isn't finished. If you haven't established rapport in the first place, your call isn't finished. Totally. Right? And we need to kind of, again, pull those scripts apart and do those sorts of things because that in itself Again, you're showing leadership to your prospect, which gives them confidence that you can deliver the transformation you promised. Totally, totally. So that's number three. Let's talk about number four, because this is something that I've got to admit, I didn't think about putting in here until you said it. And that is practicing and reviewing your sales process. And this came up for you because you had seen someone after they had told you that their sales process or their sales weren't really good where they had mentioned the price of their program only a few minutes in yeah i think this is a this is probably the area that we don't do often enough Mm -hmm. Uh, we definitely don't do this often enough there are really good sales trainers out there that you can role play and practice with okay it feels a little bit weird and awkward but definitely, you know, get into the practice of doing it. But I think the probably the the more powerful thing, other than practicing it up front, is also reviewing, mm-hmm. reviewing your stuff, right? So record your sales calls. Mm-hmm. You know, you've you've probably heard it. This call will be recorded for quality and training purposes. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been on a call with anyone unless you've heard that sort of, you know, the, that sort of voiceover sort of come in at some point. But I think it's it's so powerful to to look at and review your sales calls, not just yourself, but with someone as well. Mm-hmm. I um was on um, Instagram the other day, and and I follow a, a speaker on there. He was talking about you know one of the things he teaches he teaches stage communication or communication skills in general, but often mm-hmm. from stage. He says, "Do this. What I want you to do is." Record yourself, and you can do this with with a sales recording as well, but turn the screen off and just listen. Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about, Vin Yang. (laughs) He's awesome. I love Vin. Yeah, he's so Um, good. Very, very talented uh, communicator and communication coach, right? But he says, turn the screen off and just listen to yourself. Okay. Now, if if you've got a video recording... Of your, of your thing, turn the sound off and then watch yourself. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Okay. And then, and then have both. 
And you, you start, and then actually, I think he says transcribe it and read it. Mm-hmm. Transcribe your sales call and read it. And it's interesting because the the client I'm doing this for at the moment, where we're reviewing her sales calls, I've had her, I think, record four or five over the last week. And so I've been plowing through <laughs> hours and hours and hours of sales training calls um, and watching them and looking at it even, and, and some of the kind of online ones that you add into your Zoom and, and Teams and everything right now, it actually color codes how much you speak and how much your customer speaks. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so you can actually start to look at where do I get into monologue and where does my customer get into monologue? And if it's all you, it's probably not going to be a very effective sales call. Mm. I think it's a really interesting exercise to start to do. And you can start to pick up some of your filler words, some of where you get into stuff. You know, how much does your prospect speak? How much do you speak? You know, those kinds of things that become incredibly powerful in honing your skills as a salesperson. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's just go back and touch on the four areas that you really need to pay attention to. So you don't need to think about discounting your programs and being very confident around the value that you offer. And that's number one, having clarity in your offer. And this is about you clearly articulating the problems that you solve. Number two, having the confidence in the value you deliver. So really getting clear on the outcomes that you help your clients achieve. Number three, having a good sales process. And number four, reviewing that sales process so that you really get nice and clear about what it is that uh, you're talking about. Anything to add, Tim? No, look, as I said, it's just around, but if you're going to do anything, practice that. Mm. Right. Practice having clarity in your offer. Practice having confidence in what you what you deliver. Right. Get through that, you know, the I guess the sort of the areas that you need to cover in your sales call and then review right, until you get better at it. Absolutely. And I think that something I do want to add here is that a coach is going to definitely help you to be able to refine this process. I have a coach that has helped me with getting clarity of my offer and getting clear on the value that I deliver and, you know, getting my sales process in, uh, in place. And even when I think about, I can actually distinctly remember a conference that I was at where we were put into partners and we had to practice this sales process over and over and over. And at the time I was like, oh, I don't want to do this with a peer. (laughs) It feels weird. And also you feel like you're under the microscope, but I'm so glad that we did it because I would rather make the mistakes in that situation than make the mistakes on a call with a prospect. And, you know, as, as weird and as uncomfortable as it is, it's more frustrating when you lose a sale that should have been a great client because you weren't able to, you know, talk about your offer well or really dive deep into the problems or the, or the emotions that were plaguing your prospect. So getting a coach to help you do that is uh, very worthwhile. It's something that Tim and I can both help you with. So if you do want some help, please head over to the show notes at influencedbydesignpodcast.com and you'll see all of the links there to connect with either myself or Tim uh, to get some help on getting real clarity on that so that you're being paid fairly for the value that you deliver. Tim, thanks for hanging out with me here today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And 
Thank you for listening to another episode and we will catch you again next week for another episode of Influence by Design. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.